Below the Yellow Line studio, it's the Below the Yellow Line podcast. Hello everybody, and welcome back to episode number, what are we on? Episode number a lot, I think 71, I believe, either 71 or 72 of the Below the Yellow Line podcast. It is a lot, Emily, you are absolutely right. Hey, Emily's here, by the way. Emily, go ahead and say hi before I do the rest of the hey, intro. Hey, it's Emily, I'm here via internet. You are here via the internet. Well, I guess I'm here... Via the internet too. We're all here via the internet. We're connected via, via the internet. Via the World Wide Web. But welcome back to the Below the Airline Podcast. The podcast where me and my co-host Emily talk the NASCAR Cup Series four hours a week, three days a week, and hope somebody will listen. And can I just say, you guys have been listening. Um, I, we do appreciate each and every one. We are at 549 subscribers on YouTube, and at over uh, almost 1,300 of you have listened to this podcast across all major podcast platforms. And when you add in YouTube through this podcast, we have reached almost 4,000 of y'all, which is just an insane number for somebody like me who never would have dreamed of it doing something like this. So big thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, Emily, do you have any life update, humor, rhetorical question? Any anything like that going on this week or, or tonight? Um, no, not not a lot. Um, I really, you know, what I could use right now is a nap. I need a nap. You need a nap. I thought you were going to say a Snickers because you know you're not you're not you when you're hungry. I would go for a Snickers too. You would. Snickers and a nap. I and think. A Coke. I think we inherited that from our grandfather. Going going for a Snickers. Snickers goes so well with Coke. Yeah, it really does, especially a bottle Coke too. I put out a short the other night. Just randomly, I, I I don't know if anybody's seen that. I haven't checked the analytics. They're probably really bad. Of uh, it just it's like two and a half seconds, maybe less than that, of the sound of me opening glass Coke bottle just because I wanted to see what it would sound like. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm gonna post this on YouTube Shorts anyway. I think it's at like eight views, which is terrible for a short, terrible for a video in general. Uh, I just wanted to do that for fun. Uh, but yes, a glass Coke scientifically Sorry. tastes better. It's even better than McDonald's soft drinks, if you can believe that which um, is a spot but also watered out very quickly same as taco bell that's true that's true i could, I could argue about that all day long is taco bell water good emily is taco bell water good never, never? never had water from taco bell. does it taste like tacos that i mean it does it taste like ground beef exactly. that has got to be the question no, you know until a couple years ago, I'd always make fun of my mom whenever she said, whenever we went to a restaurant, she was like, oh, this place has good water. But as I'm getting older um, and, and becoming an adult, I've realized, yeah, you know what, I, I, I mean, I don't usually order water at restaurants anyway, but I do sometimes. I have learned to never do that at the beach because that water tastes salty if i want to drink salt water i'll go down to the ocean with a with a filter straw and drink the ocean i'm not drinking salty ocean water at a nice seafood place i'm just not doing it i will be the one guy in the group that orders sweet tea or dr pepper you know be the only person in the group that orders an unhealthy drink y'all can drink your salt water i'll enjoy my carbonated sugar water that's giving me diabetes and killing me from the inside out thank you very much i am not drinking ocean water um, but there are places with very good water especially in big cities have the best water in my opinion uh unless you're in flint michigan um or <laughs> jackson mississippi um but jackson, i don't know if that qualifies that's a big city well no probably not but it's a city in mississippi that i know which i can't say i know very many which is embarrassing living where i am uh, yes, I know the water situation and Brett Favre situation. Um, but going, <laughs> that was a bad joke. Moving on, 
Um, we went to Loudon this weekend where I don't know how good their water was. Uh, there was way too much water on Sunday and way too many tornadoes too. Tornado, I mean, I don't like you, but if you could stay down here and leave the New Englanders alone, they never did anything to you. Um, stay away from where I live, please, and where Emily lives and where all our family is. Go other places and be not violent. Um, but yeah, tornadoing like five miles from the track on Sunday, like a confirmed touchdown tornado. I looked at the NWS and I think it was said it was like an F1 maybe from what they said. So thankfully not the most violent tornado, but for real, it's kind of storm season. So if there's a tornado, uh, get in a shelter. Don't stand out there and watch it like, uh, my family tends to do especially my dad dad can you can you not watch the tornadoes can you please get in the shelter i would i'd appreciate that and a lot of other people would too um but loudon martin truex on a monday is just a cheat code if he makes the championship four he is going to pray so hard for rain i mean it's if it if the championship's on a monday and martin truex is in it the field might as well go home He's won two out of the three races he's won this year on Mondays at one-mile tracks. And guess what? Phoenix is a one-mile track. Unfortunately for Truex, the championship race is in a desert. Um, so that might be a bit of a knock against him. But he gets the win, his third of the year. And in my opinion, Emily takes over as the championship favorite. What did you think of his win? What did you think overall in New Hampshire? Really good New Hampshire race, in my opinion. Solid racing, some big crashes. Eric Amarola lost a wheel as the leader and went into the wall. But the big story, MTJ gets win number three, dominates, leading 254, 301 laps. What were your opinions on the Crayola, not really, the Crayon, 301 <laughs> at New Hampshire? Um, so, I unfortunately did not get to watch all of it, but I did see a good bit. Um, Y'all know that I picked Byron, and there were some moments <laughs> where I was like, Samuel, in your face, look at him. Yeah, like, I guess who got the last him. laugh? Well, yeah. Actually, Byron might have beat, yeah, Byron finished ahead of Bell, actually. But Bell had yeah. a better car and just wrecked at the end. So here's um, the deal. I think we overlooked Truex. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of do, too. I, I didn't see uh, this coming at the start of the year, just saying. <laughs> no, and he he's kind of like the silent, uh, the silent guy, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. he just comes from seemingly nowhere and, like, straight up dominates. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's a great driver, and we shouldn't overlook him mm -mm. but for whatever reason he seems to that just seems to happen it does yeah there'll be weeks when he's not really up there and winning contention he'll run like seventh to tenth and then there'll be a week like today or sonoma where he just goes out and dominates and it's not like running well at new hampshire was a surprise but I mean, his best finish here coming into the weekend was third. He'd led 916 laps here. He won the first two stages of this race a year ago. He just always had bad luck here. He hasn't been able to close the deal. And uh, to see him win at New Hampshire was kind of one of those, that's surprising, but that's not surprising kind of moments. And I, I really like how you said it, Emily. He kind of comes out of nowhere, and I don't know why we keep underestimating the guy. He's a cup champion. He's won, like, what, 34 races now in his career, and he just yeah. seems to get better as he ages. The, I mean, For he sure. at, at this point in the 2017 season, his championship season, guess how many wins he had? Three. Guess where his next win came? Win number four came in race 22. Race 22 this year at, is at Michigan, a place where I believe he's won before. 
Um, so look out for that 19 at Michigan, and, and look out for him every week. I mean, this weekend, uh, where are we going? Pocono. This weekend at Pocono. I forgot where we were going for a second. This Ooh, weekend at Pocono. Tricky triangle, that tricky triangle. Poke your. My mom used to call this track "Poke Your Nose," which I mean, I, that's the best pun ever, um, because it will poke you in the nose and poke you into the wall. And in Kyle Larson's case, it'll poke your left front tire down, send you into the wall, and Alex Bowman will win. Greatest day of my life. Well, not really. One of the greatest days of my life watching that finish <laughs> as a Bowman fan. Um, yeah, going to the Tricky Triangle where Truex has won before. 2015, he got his third career win there. Emily, he only had two career wins going into the June Pocono race in 2015. And since then, uh, made the championship for that year, and he really hasn't looked back. That was the win that kind of started his uprising as that led him on the path to being a Hall of Famer. Before that, he was a forgettable guy. Won two cup races. Okay, that's respectable, but nothing more. And then won that Pocono race in 2015, and he's he's been a rocket ship ever since um joey logano was second ryan blaney though his penske teammate uh finishes 22nd and he was probably the closest guy to true x late uh had a penalty on his last pit stop and couldn't get anything else uh couldn't get anything else going unfortunately but um or couldn't get it going from the back uh nobody had anything for true x though i mean just dominant nobody had anything for him on restarts uh either um, Emily, I guess sandwiched in the middle here, we'll do the standings before we preview Pocono. We have two big stories to talk about, both involving Aussies, which, is not Aussie Albies from the Braves, but uh, Aussies, <laughs> Australians, Australians, Aussies. Australians, you know, the ones that eat at Outback Steakhouse, you know, they, they yeah, don't. The ones that like, dominated Chicago. Yeah, the ones that dominated Chicago. Uh, there's going to be two of them in one this race. Like. Do what? One, and then one of them like that, that, that didn't really make sense, but yeah, whatever. Move on, it's move a, on. The grammar is great on the Blow the Online podcast. Uh, but Shane Van Gisbergen did win at Chicago, and he's going to be back at the Indianapolis Road Course in the number 91 for Project 91 and Trackhouse. This will be the last race they run this year um, with him and with that car, but it is also, Emily, widely speculated, and there have been some very credible rumors, some very credible people within the industry, that he's going to run the full Cup Series schedule next year and go full-time next year in NASCAR and beyond. And he's still pretty young. I can't remember how young I said he was on the on after Chicago. It may be like 28 or some ridiculous number. He's accomplished an insane, uh, insane amount of, of stuff. Let me look here. Shane Van Gisbergen, how old are you? And I, 34. Okay, so yeah, pretty young to be a three-time champion and over 80-time winner in the Australian Supercars. I did get a great comment from a local New Zealander. Uh, who said, I've been saying Shane Van Gisbergen, it's Gen, which I guess I should have known from the announcers saying that all weekend, but he politely said, there's no gin in Van Gisbergen, mate, <laughs> which was like, that <laughs> had me rolling. That I that was like, hey, we love a little that comment made my day. So Shane Van Gisbergen, thank you, anonymous commenter, uh, will be in the 91, and he's likely going full-time cup racing next year. And as Emily said before we came on the show, they should be scared. Emily, what do you think about him coming back at Indy? What do you think about him possibly coming back uh, or coming to NASCAR full-time? And I do have another interesting question for you. Do you think he runs full-time with Trackhouse in the 91 car like he did at Chicago, or do you think he goes to another team? So go ahead and start off. What are your opinions on him racing at Indianapolis on the Indy road course? Uh excited to see it. I mean, obviously, he's a great road course driver, and he may come out and dominate again. <laughs> he very well may. Uh, what do you think about him going full-time in 2024? How scared 
uh, should the field be? What do you think his expectations are? And like I said, do you think he stays with Trackhouse or do you think he goes to another team? You know, judging from how he just came and literally straight up dominated um, his very first Cup Series race, um, I have no reason to doubt that he would do anything else in the season. Now, might he not be great at every track with the variety? Maybe <laughs> not, but I think he will be a name to be mentioned mm-hmm. um, and someone to watch out for. Um, I could see him staying with Trackhouse. I, you know, to me, um, that would make the most sense. Yeah. But also, I could be wrong. Yeah. That, that's a question that I feel like doesn't really need to be asked too much right now. And I say that from the perspective of uh, uh, him. I think any team would be more than happy to have him. The only issue with Trackhouse is that Justin Marks, who is the co-owner of Trackhouse along with Pitbull, um, has said that, uh, you know, uh, being a having a third full-time team is not something he's sure their company's ready for, but if he needs some money, go ask Mr. Worldwide. You literally have Pitbull as one of your co-owners. I don't see how finances could be an issue, but hey, NASCAR is very expensive. Um, I, I think he's going to be very competitive at Indy. I could see him winning that race. Um, now, of course, that's a race that's kind of devolved into chaos the first two years we've run it, so hopefully it, it's not too crazy this time around. Um, but I am really excited to see him. And as for uh, as for being full-time next year, I think he makes the postseason. I really do. Um, and I always said that about A.J. Allmendinger this year, and I'm likely going to be wrong. Um, but he's just, especially in track house equipment, um, he's going to win a road course or two every year. If Chicago comes back, um, mark him down as the absolute favorite. Um, you know, you have guys like Reddick and Bell that could also be favorites for that race, but I think... SVG is is definitely the the main favorite for it. Uh, We also have another driver from Australia, from the same Australian supercar league that Shane Van Gisbergen Gisbergen is in. And his name, I'm not going to mess this one up, am I? Brody Konecki. I really hope I said that one right. But constructive criticism, welcome in the comments below. Uh, that's a great question, and let me see. Brody Konecki. Um, he's, he's gonna, let me get some housekeeping stuff out of the way. He's gonna drive the number 33 car for Richard Childress Racing, a car that has not seen action since Michigan. Oh, Kostecki. I'm sorry, Kostecki. It's K-O-S-T-E-C-K-I. So, Brody Kostecki, or Kostecki, I don't know. Um, will make his NASCAR Cup Series debut at the Indianapolis Road Course, again in the number 33 for Richard Childress Racing. Really good equipment there. And the thing that I think should scare the field, Emily, along with him just being a really good road course racer, is that this season he is ahead of Shane Van Gisbergen in Australian Supercars points. So based on the whole season, he's been better than SVG. What do you think his expectations are as he makes his first Cup Series start with RCR? Do you think he could be a contender for the win? Do you think he will beat the field en route to a win? Um, I, I don't know much about the guy. Me neither. Um, he's similar to SVG, though. I'll say that. I've seen some stuff. It looks like he's similar to SVG. Yeah, that's a little scary. Let's, let's be real. Um, yeah. He, he may come out and... Uh, just we may not know what's coming <laughs> we may not you know it'd be really fun i mean obviously i say this every week or a lot of weeks where i say that okay my ideal 1v1 battle for the end of this race that would make it an all-time classic would be i know it might not be very nascar purist of me to say that i'd love to see two foreigners one in their first start one in their second start duel it out for the win but yeah i mean guys 
I mean, it's the Indy Road Course. It's a track that this may be actually the last time we go to it. We may be returning to the Brickyard 400 next year, which, hey, I'd be down. Um, but we're going to the most historic racetrack in the world, at least for car racing. Uh, a track that has seen drivers from all over the world compete in the Brickyard 400, obviously the much more famous Indianapolis 500, a track that's hosted Formula One. It'd be so cool to see two worldwide renowned guys and Brody Kostecki and Shane Van Gisbergen compete for the win at 1v1. Now, obviously, you're going to have your Almondingers, your Reddicks, your Bells, all your normal contenders up front. Chase Elliott is going to be looking for a win to get in the playoffs there. Um, but I think Kostecki yep. and SVG are going to be two very important characters to watch uh, on August 13th. Looking at the point standings as we go to Pocono, poke your nose, the tricky triangle. Um, the triangle too tough to tame. That's not a real thing, actually. Martin Truex Jr. reclaimed the points lead after New Hampshire, the regular season points lead. He now is tied with Kyle Busch for second in the series with the most wins. He leads William Byron by 17 for the regular season. The next closest guy for the regular season is Christopher Bell, who's minus 62. Um, but Truex and Busch have each won three races. William Byron leads the league with four wins, and you have Kyle Larson with two. Uh, then you have Larson, Chastain, Bell, Hamlin, uh, Blaney, Logano, Reddick, Stenhouse. Do what? Woo Hamlin. Woo Hamlin. Look at that. Hey, he may or may not be my pick for this weekend. Just keep an eye out. Um, but when you have, or all the rest of those guys have one win. So you have 11 drivers with wins. That Well, 12, counting SVG, but he's not in the playoffs, obviously. First main that on points is Kevin Harvick, plus 137. Brad Keselowski, plus 108. Chris Buescher, plus 97. And here's where the playoff bubble gets so tight. You could cut the tension in the room when all these guys are in it with a butter knife. Bubba Wallace, 15th, plus 2. Michael McDowell, 16th, plus 1. He's the last man in right now. Daniel Suarez, 17th, minus one, first man out. A.J. Allmendinger, minus 20. Ty Gibbs, minus 41. Alex Bowman, minus 42. Justin Haley, minus 46. Austin Sindrick, minus 51. Chase Elliott, minus 60. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine drivers separated by 62 points. That is one less point than those seven drivers, or nine drivers, were separated by going into New Hampshire. So the bubble hasn't changed a whole lot in terms of that, but Bubba is now in, Suarez is now out, McDowell's lead has been cut down by one point, I believe. Um, Almendinger faded a bit, as did Ty Gibbs, Bowman gained two points, Chase Elliott gained one point, um, I believe Sindrick lost a couple points, and Haley also, Haley might have gained a couple, I'm not exactly sure. But the playoff cut line, Emily, is kind of starting to take shape in with the terms that it is absolute chaos right now. What are your opinions on the point standings um, as we go to Pocono, a track where Bubba, McDowell, uh, Suarez were very good last year, a track where Bowman has won at before, a track where Chase Elliott won at last year, though it was because Hamlin and Kyle Busch got DQ'd. I will never forget Emily's reaction when I called her and told her Denny had been disqualified from the win in that race. But Emily, what are your opinions on the playoff bubble leaving Loudon and going to Pocono? Oh, gosh. I mean, really, we are getting down here before playoffs and so some of these guys that really need to make moves it's time i'm thinking we might see chase elliott i'm thinking maybe jenny's going for another win um i'm thinking listen byron's still up there and he just you, you gotta watch the guy because he's got so many wins you just can't turn your back on him 
So that's kind of my thoughts. Absolutely. Do you think out of the two Hendrick cars, now I know this has been kind of the big story, but Bowman minus 42, Elliott minus 60, they're not mathematically in must-wins, but it's kind of feeling like that. Do you think both of them make it in, one of them make it in, or neither of them make it in? I don't know. Maybe mm, That's tough. I, I, love, I mean, maybe both. Maybe. Who do you think is the more likely to get a win? It's okay. You can hurt my feelings. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I feel mm. like it's just a matter of, like, almost luck of, you know, like, who cannot crash or be crashed or... <laughs> Um, what do you think? I say Elliot's definitely the more likely to get a win, especially if road course is coming up. But Bowman is one of those guys who, it's whether it's on strategy or domination, he'll just win like the most random races, like with no yeah. consistency in his performance. I mean, when he won Martinsville a couple years ago, that was kind of unexpected. Running so well at Pocono was kind of unexpected when he took advantage of Larson's flat tire. Las Vegas uh, last year, he played strategy. I mean, the only race in his career that he's won, I guess, that he's really dominated at was 2020 California, which was a great day. I remember that race forever. But, um, yeah, that was. It, it's just interesting to me that, that both of them are so far out right now. And I know everybody's saying, yeah, they've started so many less races. Look, Bowman only missed three races. And I know he had a big penalty, but Bowman only missed three. Elliott did miss seven. But if these guys are so good, A, why haven't they pointed their way in? B, why haven't they won their way in? I mean, that's got to be a question. Rest of the yeah, points. I mean, they haven't yet proved themselves this season. Exactly. Rest of the points, LaJoy minus 91. All these guys have to win, basically. Mathematically, they could still point their way in, but very unlikely. LaJoy minus 91. Gillen minus 96. Priest minus 97. Eric Amarola minus 105. Eric Jones minus 139. Austin Dillon minus 140. Harrison Burton minus 164. Chase Briscoe minus 183. Ty Dillon minus 250. And Noah Gregson minus 257. Rookie campaign for him, and he's last in the points. Owner standings wise, the nine is has actually slipped back to 14th. Was 13th coming into the weekend. He slipped back to 14th. The 48 car for Hendrick is in 16th. Manufacturer wise, still the Bowtie Brigade out in front. They lead Toyota by 67 points and Ford by 85. Ford 85 or 18 back of Toyota. Chevy with 12 wins, Toyota with six, and Ford with just two. Looking ahead to the Pocono schedule, we really are going to cut this time down to the wire again, as we always do. About four or five minutes left here. Pocono schedule. This race, I love races that start at like 2.30 Eastern because here in the Central Time Zone, they start so early for us. And it reminds me of when I was younger and races actually started at like noon or 12.30 or 1 at the latest. It was just such a simpler time. Schedule for Pocono. Practice and qualifying are actually kind of late on uh, Saturday afternoon. Practice starts at 2.35 Eastern. On the NBC Sports app, MRN, Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio, they'll switch over uh, to USA Network at 3 o'clock. I don't understand what's so important on USA that practice can't come on on there, but whatever. Qualifying is at 3.20 p.m. Eastern, USA, NBC Sports app, MRN, Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio. The race itself is the highpoint.com 400, and yes, the weather looks good. Friday, it looks slightly iffy, so truck and Xfinity might not get all practice and qualifying in, but the race itself at 2.30 Eastern, USA Network, the NBC Sports app, MRN, Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio. Emily, I'm not going to ask for uh, some guy. Well, okay, I'll do it in one thing. Who are two or three guys you think could be up there, and who is your win pick for Sunday's highpoint.com 400 at Pocono? Yeah, we're going to see Byron. We're going to see Elliot up there at the top, but you know what? We're Bringing the win. You're going to go with Denny. Hey, we agreed. Remember when I thought we agreed when we both picked Logano for a race and then you decided to not pick Logano? That was fun. This time we do actually agree. 
I'm going to pick Denny Hamlin to win the race. I'm going to pick William Byron to win the poll, but I'm going to pick Denny to win the race. I think it's going to come down to Denny versus Bush like it did last year. And this time, I don't believe any tape is going to cause an issue. Um, housekeeping stuff here. Uh, we may have some big announcements over the next couple days. Not sure. Not going to tell you all anything more than that. But we may have some. We may have some. What was that, Emily? Secret secrets, we're keeping them. Is that from Taylor Swift? No, I just made that up. Oh, good song line. Um, but we are on all major podcast platforms and the Spotter Stand YouTube channel. That is the Spotter Apostrophe S Stand. Plenty of NASCAR content out there. And actually, uh, when this episode is posted, there should be a NASCAR pre-race show for the truck race this weekend at Pocono. As here comes my dog. I can hear his collar. Um, he's probably going to come in here and, like, eat the microphone or something. Um, but that's where you can find us. Um, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share, press all the good buttons, as you like to say, Emily. Yes. But yeah, keep press keep your eyes all. peeled uh, on the YouTube community page um, and on YouTube Shorts, just on the YouTube channel in general uh, for maybe a special announcement or two coming soon. And uh, even if no announcements happen, even if nothing happens with all this stuff, we're still going to have our normal coverage. All uh, Plenty of coverage from Pocono this weekend. The podcast, next episode will be Friday, Cut Preview Friday with a Pocono preview show, and then uh, Monday. We'll do our post-race episode to recap the Tricky Triangle. Next Wednesday, combo show as after Pocono. Where do we go after Pocono? We go to Richmond. We go to Richmond. Um, Emily, we'll be in Chicago for that race, actually. We'll be on Chicago. We'll actually yes. probably be uh, walking or driving on some of the streets that Shane Van Gisbergen uh, won on. So that'll be kind of neat. I'll, I'll get to say I, I've, I've been to a fourth NASCAR track. Although, does it really count? That's I mean. Right. Yes. I, I guess it does. yes it does. it does count absolutely i agree um so yeah gonna have some fun stuff coming summer winding down regular season winding down that is all we have everybody emily thank you for coming on the show we will see you friday for cup preview friday we'll have our pre-race show for the cup race over on the spotter stand YouTube channel plenty of content rest of the week pre-race shows getting you ready for pocono and then all weekend long post-race shows over on the spotter stand youtube channel from all three races at pocono there's also an arca race friday afternoon at pocono we will see you later, everybody. Like, subscribe, comment, share, rate, review. You know, click all the buttons. Click all the good buttons. We will see you later. Goodbye.